It says that we are live, so here, here we are. We got everything EOS today. Rob is not here. He's, I think he said he was hiking or something. Uh, he's, he's out of town. So I have my two amigos out of the five on the Everything EOS proxy. I'm here with Mark Woods and Peter Kay. I'm going to let them introduce themselves for the audience who, who's not familiar with them. But all you need to know is that they're great people. They add more value to this ecosystem uh, than almost everyone, not everyone, uh, but than a lot of people. That's why they're part of the Everything EOS proxy. I'm not used to doing these damn intros. I'm used to Rob coming in all hyped and hot. Uh, but as a reminder, everyone, please like, subscribe the video, vote for our proxy, uh, our sponsor, Cypherglass. Um, I mentioned last week I had an EOS DAC episode coming out this week. I did record it, but I, admittedly, I jacked up the video. Uh, I, I, I recorded it on Zoom, and I only got like full screen of like the active speaker, so I was trying to fix it. That'll be out next week. Um, if you guys want anyone else on the show, leave it in the comments or in the live chat. Uh, but Mark, why don't, why don't you start with letting everyone kind of know your background and who you are and how you got in touch with everything EOS. It doesn't have to be too long, though. Yeah, yeah. Hey, what's going on, guys? Hopefully I met a bunch of you at the good old EE31 May event, but hey, Mark Woods, D-Tech, uh, big grad, so obviously been at the plugged into that area for quite some time, and that's how I initially learned of EOS. Been yeah, following Dan since, gosh, 2013-14, so they go EOS. And and Pete, you're you're. I always thought you were a legend, but you you you've been growing your legendary status lately since you started with Liquid Apps, and I mean you're still keeping up with the Everything EOS courses. You've been on here regular, and you've been a beast with with writing blog content for Liquid Apps. So anyone who's been following Liquid Apps, like a lot of that written content, Pete, along with the team, shout out to Dudu, and Pete could probably shout out some more people, but uh, he, he's one of the top explainers of tech and understanders of tech and i love the guy so pete why don't you introduce yourself beyond that a little bit then we'll get into the topics for today sure yeah zach and i met at ico alert our old home where this podcast started i still remember the first episode was zach and rob recording you know on this hasty little kitchen table set up in a side room boy has it grown since then man <laughs> and uh and so i moved on from there to uh start dappiness with zach and uh our a couple of our colleagues and then moved on to Liquid Apps, where I'm head of content and communication there. And uh, it's it's really great because I, I saw the DAP network and I thought, man, this is going to change everything. Uh, and so I was really excited when they brought me on. And now we're, we got the synergy going, right? We got this scaling EOS, promoting EOS, all this stuff working together here. Onboarding developers, making development oh, yeah. easier, we'll talk about that later. making it more scalable. Uh, but let's let's uh, get into the first topic here, which Mark Woods is our in-house expert on, and that is the Bloxburg Summit. So we only became Rob and I only became aware of this Bloxburg Summit uh, fr from a news article in the local Blacksburg newspaper. Uh, there is a Virginia Tech article, and they mentioned the plans for the Bloxburg Summit. That sounded the alarm for Mark, who's a Virginia Tech alumni. He, he's a Hokie uh, alumni, so he kind of dove into it and got us some more information. So why don't you introduce this topic, uh, Mark, and tell us what, what have you found out in the last week or two? Yeah, sure thing. So uh, obviously, let's just rewind really quickly. So I don't know, probably everybody is pretty aware of the B1 and the Virginia Tech partnership that started, I guess, over a year ago now with their $3 million big grant to the university. So obviously, the last year was the first implementation of their one or two blockchain courses, which was sort of a proof of the concept. 
And that's now all starting to coalesce more and more. So we're going to see that real blockchain program coming together. And basically along this side of that, Virginia Tech, through the Virginia Tech Foundation, has started to partner with some other Virginia-wide organizations to actually build a blockchain ecosystem kind of around the Blacksburg as a whole. So not just the Virginia Tech, not just the Block One, but Blockchain or Blocksburg as it's they going by now. So, um, yeah, I mean, the few pieces coming out of that the one article, um, I think you have it up on the screen and now. Welcome Zach. to Blocksburg. Exactly. The welcome to Blocksburg. So, obviously, um, there was another statewide the grant provided to the Virginia Tech the Foundation. Um, and again, that was outside of any relationship with the B1 specifically. So, that's they're really excited to see other people starting to, to support this and hopefully grow the Blocksburg as. We'll probably now start to call it. And then the really cool thing we saw was the potential planned Bloxburg Summit this coming November. And I will hint or kind of give a little bit teaser here that, one, I've been starting to connect with a bunch of the people at this school to try to see how we all as the community here could potentially help support that. So I would say just pay attention to here on the podcast. Hopefully I'll be back in maybe a week or two to drop some the real information about how we all can help. Mark, come on, man. You, you, you have some cool stuff to share. You got to drop some <laughs> hints on what you've been doing. I, I know you've been doing more than you just mentioned here. T- t- tell well, me, <laughs> t- me, mention the project. They're, they're a really cool project. They deserve the shout out of who you're trying to get involved here. So, are you talking about FMV or or where the the Eva stuff, man? Uh, okay, okay. So, so oh, Eva, there's a few. So, yeah, that's that's been happening actually, totally outside of the uh, Bloxburg this summit specifically. But the guys up at Eva, so the uh, ride sharing, the competition to the Lyft and Uber have recently been working with a couple of the B1 employees actually who have gotten really linked into the Blacksburg the community. Um, along with myself and others. So there is some work underway to start a um, the partnership LLC and to they roll EVA out in the Blacksburg, the Roanoke, the New River, the, the Valley area. So big, big shout out to the guys at Block One who are taking a bunch of time outside of their, their roles there to really support the blockchain um, specifically in the Blacksburg area. So. Yeah. And I, I think from what I understand about Eva is it's almost like a, it, it's decentralized in the sense that you still need boots on the ground in any like yep. city that you operate in because of regulation. So I think it's yep. almost like it, it's it, it's not I don't th- think they call it this, but it's almost like a franchise model where you kind of open up your own. I, they have a word for it. Do, do you know what it is? I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on the name now, but it's not a, a commonwealth. They're not a, a partnership. Co-op, I don't know. They're co-op. It, yes, yes. Yeah. They're co-op. Mm-hmm. So so. They were talking about trying to build the co-op specifically, but the first this uh, few things that they're going to do is actually they do an LLC first. They've been they're working with a bunch of people across the state, um, all the way from Colorado, who have have a whole bunch of experience doing those kind of the co-ops. But you're completely correct: is each franchise per se is unique to the region, state, the country, etc., because of all the different the laws. So. The spot uh, on there. Let, let's let's drop one more hint. So it seems like so I'm, I'm glad you shared that, but.
But there's there's another secret we're holding. We can't give it all away. But um, as far as that Bloxburg Summit, it's coincidentally going to be a year away from the 2020 election, which is pretty cool. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. So yeah. that there's that, a bunch that, of really great VTech alumni who are starting to kind of, I would say, communicate back with uh, Bib Blacksburg about the exact same things that the I am and that we all are here. So I think that uh, when that Bloxburg Summit happens, whether it be November or later in the year it's going to be quite an awesome event and i think we all can help them make it even better so this is why we love mark he's got the virginia tech inside scoop he knows everyone in that town uh one one more thing i wanted to bring up as far as this blocksburg summit so i, I was creeping along through linkedin looking at some v1 employees and like looking at their backgrounds and stuff they have a lot of doc like phds on their team which is cool i know uh the guy bucky that built uh the eos vm that they, yep. they uh released some code for he's like a, a phd from virginia tech mm -hmm. and um I, I found this guy who you said you knew he was the former ceo and president of the Blacksburg Tech Council, and he's also oh no, he's also, but he left that to join Block One, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I think he's now the business operations manager in the Blacksburg office. So he's he's actually been one of the ones who has been participating heavily in uh, the partnership with the Eva, and um, as well as a couple of the other guys on that team. And they've been really great to they work with. Just the hats off to them. I, I think that's awesome that like you got this guy who has he, he as the tech. I mean, I, I've worked with my local tech councils before and the president of the tech council just knows everybody. So it's going to be great to see like the whole city come together for this Blocksburg summit. Rob and I last week already said we're going, whether we're invited or not. Uh, did you get us an official invite yet, Mark? Or is there, there no that's what I'm yet? now working on? So how can we help them? How can they help us? And I think it's going to be just a the magical oh, thing. We're, we're going to do some podcast down there. Well, I mean, that I'll get to give you a bit tour of the wonderful Blacksburg, or we can do something live streaming around the campus. Awesome. So we'll move on to Pete. We've got a big update for the EOSIO developer courses. They are in, in the works. Uh, what updates can you give us, Pete? What's going to be in the courses? And uh, when can we expect to see them? Yeah, the next course is called Advanced EOS Development or at least that's the tentative name. It'll probably be end up some, something else, you know. Uh, but we're talking about how to work in depth network stuff, of course, and also things like ORID and how to test your contract and deploy it to testnet and to mainnet and several other things as well. It'll be a little bit more modular than the first course. The first one was kind of bound to elemental battles, which is, I guess, a strength and a weakness. Uh, so it's just followed along with elemental battles. This one's going to be modular, like here's a new technology, here's Scatter.js, here's UAL, here's whatever, and uh, throwing up the background for me there, Zach. <laughs> Get uh, fancy. Should have warned me there. All right, and uh, and so we've got all these, these components that you can skip if you want or watch if you want. Uh, it's going to be exciting. A lot of third-party tools now this time, not just uh, you know working on a contract but learning how to integrate with wallets and with technologies that can help adapt and things like that. There's nothing really out there like that, uh, which was the same thing that was true of the first course. And I uh, definitely learned a lot from the first course. Thanks to everybody for their feedback. Sometimes people have been answering questions for other students and uh, been pointing things out that we can improve. And it, it's, it's really been great. It's been great to see. So uh, the, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's uh, scheduled to come out this month. Uh, that's August. 
Ooh. And uh, that's, oh. it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It might it might end up being like September 1st or something. I'm setting a timeline for yourself. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, you got to watch out. That, that's what happened well, for, actually, for the actually, first part of the series. We set, we set a date. I think it was the end of April. I think we got it out like May 2nd or 3rd, but we got well, it. Yeah, it was submitted to you to me in April, but then it, it took them a little while to approve it. Uh, but, you know, that's that's our fault. Uh, but may- actually, this one... it it might be stalled a little bit because we're working to make sure that it is compatible with the upcoming 1.8 update. 1.8 has maybe some changes and Mm -hmm. we're going to make sure that this is ready. Otherwise the course will drop and then it'll be a little bit out of date within a few days, you know? So Mm -hmm. I was actually going to ask you that question because one of my biggest, uh, I'll say pet peeves was I jumped in and they did the elemental battles course almost right when it dropped and i think b1 like one week later had a had a breaking change that just wrecked all of the work i did and i didn't know if i'd broken something or anything else so that was pretty good yeah well i i added notes throughout you know this is a new change you need to be careful uh because you're right within like a week new code dropped uh, for the contract development toolkit and we had to change a search check and things like that um, and if you don't follow the notes, then the videos for you will result in code that doesn't work. So we want to avoid that however possible. So this time, really working ahead to make sure that it's ready for all the upcoming updates. But so quick the question, Pete, have uh, you all decided how the courses are going to be pushed to the users? Are the people who have access to the first course going to have access to these, or is that still kind of in the works? That's still in the works. Yeah, I'd love to hear how people think we should do that. Obviously, these aren't free to produce. Um, people, a few people were willing to pay for the first course, but thanks to our sponsors, we were able to make it free. Uh, Safer Glass, shout out Rob, who's not here. Um, and this time, we're, we're still deciding. Uh, we'll kind of gauge the community. It is more advanced, so you can't, I don't think you could come to this course with zero programming knowledge. And uh, I don't think you should even like hop right in after the first course without working a little bit on your own. So if you're waiting for this course, go work on some JavaScript, especially, and uh, go go play around with the elemental battles. Maybe make an application of your own. Try to do something custom and get your hands a little bit dirtier so that you'll be ready for this one. So, yeah, Pete, I will say you made the first mistake of putting a uh, roadmap out there. You put real the dates on it. <laughs> You know, I mean, you got to do that, right? <laughs> well, I, I, I think we need to get to the next topic because last all week right. or two weeks ago, like we, we, they, you guys, we, we all dropped a tweet with your video dropping the teaser of Liquid Link. And since then, uh, we published the, the, the Chainlink article. And whenever Rob and I tried talking about it, we, we gave some examples. I... I, I Wanted to explain it, but I know, Pete, you are the expert explainer of everything. Please tell everybody about what Liquid Link is because we've been working really hard with everything EOS, Pete personally, Liquid Apps, at onboarding EOS IO developers into the ecosystem. Well, now it's going to get taken a step further. We're, we're going to be expanding that reach to other blockchains to, to get them to, to develop uh, using DAP Network, which, which is going to connect to the EOS mainnet. Uh, so, so now the targets Ethereum developers and like out non-blockchain developers to become EOSIA developers. So it's really cool. But let's get into Liquid Link, man. 
So Liquid Link uses the DAP network to allow chains to talk with each other. They can uh, act with, between each other, communicate, post actions, they can transact. Uh, in the demo, you see EOS, which I guess you'll link to the demo somewhere maybe. Um, yeah. In the demo, you see EOS deploying a contract to Ethereum, and uh, you see it then transacting with a little bit of Ether. And it's all testnet. It's all pretty early. Uh, it, was, it was definitely the first thing we wanted to say about Liquid Link, which means it's, it's not fully developed out yet. Uh, but it was doing it right there on screen. And uh, what's exciting about this, I think, is that not only does this mean EOS and Ethereum can you know, sit down over some drinks and chat first, first time in their lives, right? Um, but now all the DAP network services can, by extension, also be used by Ethereum applications as well. Uh, so via the DAB network, via even though they're provided on EOS, I guess provisioned on EOS, so the SLAs are on EOS, the DSPs are running on EOS, the DAP service providers. Uh, but th those services can be provided to Ethereum applications now as well, which is why we talked a little bit about Chainlink and how the unique features of Liquid Oracles, which is a Liquid Apps product that allows... Um, apps to get information from the internet in a way that they can be sure is trustworthy. Uh, this Liquid Link now allows Chainlink apps to also integrate Liquid Oracles as another level or as to get more features or to try it out as maybe a, a solution they want to look into piling into all the way later. Uh, so we're, we're talking about a future here where all the blockchains can communicate. That's what we envision. That's what we dream about. It's not here at the moment. Right now, Liquid Link can actually read uh, all the other major blockchains. There's a list there, I think, on the screen. I can read sidechains and uh, chains like Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, if you want, Ripple, uh, Ethereum, Cardano, and it can gather information from these chains and trigger things on your app. So there's a little bit of, of communication already going on with all these blockchains. But we envision like oh, this world where all the blockchains can communicate to each other. And like Benny, our CEO said, that means that they can all focus on what they're good at and applications can use the features of all of them. Uh, like for e EOS is good at computation. Now Ethereum, if there's an Ethereum app that needs some computation that would be expensive on Ethereum because gas and whatnot and congestion and uh, node capabilities being lower, it can offload that computation potentially to EOS. And so Ethereum has something it needs to do on its app. It offloads computation to EOS, which means now EOS is being used to do that computation. And then it gets the result back. And the developers could build it in such a way that maybe uh, there was verification of the computation back on Ethereum or that uh, it was spot replicated on Ethereum where sometimes you also compute it on Ethereum just to make sure the system is doing its job. Or, um, and all the results are logged, everything is on chain. Uh, it's it's just because we're saving resources uh, by kind of offloading doesn't mean the stuff isn't on chain. It's still on chain. So it's it's a great step forward, I think, for decentralized communication between blockchains, decentralized services for all the dApps, and we're, the future is is so bright. You know, I, I'm I'm hoping that we can get past as much as I love EOS. I'm hoping we can get past the the cultish kind of tendency to pick a protocol and say, oh, it's better than everything. It's going to be best in every way. And just everything else will go to zero. That's, that's not what we're looking at here. We're looking at blockchains 
that can communicate with each other and can be strong in what they're good at. Uh, I think that that's a form of decentralization, to be honest. Right? If there's only one blockchain that anyone can hope to develop on, you've kind of centralized things again. There aren't choices. There aren't competitors. So that's that's what I'm really excited about. Do you guys have any questions about Liquid Link? No, I mean you're you're, you're like I said, man. You, you just really explain it. Like I, I I'm pretty knowledgeable on it. I mean I, I deal with it every day. But like just hearing you explain it for like an audience who probably knows uh, very little. For, for some of them, like that was an excellent explanation. I just want to point out and ha have you kind of walk through a little bit of the, ch the, the, the reason um, for bringing like Chainlink into the picture, like why the comparisons and how, how we could work together and how a node operator on Chainlink would actually make a great node operator as a DSP on the DAP network. And that's kind of uh, what, what we've uh, been hinting at and s somewhat even seeing uh, w with some of these conversations. Right, sure. Well, obviously, Chainlink is a project that garnered a lot of interest, and it brought the Oracle problem to the forefront. Um, in general, the Oracle problem is that you, on a blockchain, you can't um, get data from the outside world because that would make the blockchain not deterministic. In other words, I, I don't know if I've explained this on the channel before. I'll be brief about it. Uh, but when you're running an app on a blockchain, all of the block producers and all the validators and everybody watching has to get the same result. So a contract action goes out there. It says, I need information about some sports score or something. Um, that has to re result in the same result or the validators won't validate what the block producer comes up with because they get a different result. So if the score changes or if the website serves something else, or maybe the website is down in the jurisdiction of the particular validator, that wrecks the whole system. So you cannot talk to the outside world. And that includes getting information from Bitcoin or Ethereum or getting even a random number, something like that. You can't talk to the outside world from a blockchain application. Where uh, Liquid Oracles and Liquid Apps in general lets you do that, uh, basically by faking it, we, we have it depends on the service, um, but developers can act like the blockchain can do that. Uh, but it's actually the DSPs, the free market providing that service. Uh, and so there's, it's still in a decentralized way, but it's not native to the EOSIO blockchain, right? So with Chainlink, uh, things blew up with Chainlink. And we thought, look, look at this, uh, this great product that's out there. I mean, it's obviously needed. Uh, how can Liquid Oracles make it better? And if you want to read that as Liquid Oracles is better than Chainlink, here's why. Um, I understand that. But you could also read it as Chainlink and Liquid Oracles go well together and have different advantages. So it depends on your application, depends on your use case. But we've, we've got Liquid Oracles is more decentralized in some ways. The agreements are on chain. The DSP listings are on chain. There's no like personalized review process. The dApps can verify the data themselves. The dApps can pick what sources they want, which isn't currently true with Chainlink, and uh, pick a motley of sources and then compare them. The dApps can verify that the providers are being honest. There's just a lot more flexibility. And we can bring that to Chainlink when both are integrated. And like you said, Chainlink operators could also run DSPs. I think that's something exciting that we're hoping for. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm trying to think about, there's anything else. Oh, 
So I was really disappointed. I mentioned the EOS DAC interview that I have recorded. I'm just warning everyone that the video isn't going to, it's going to be like jumpy. But uh, the other podcast I wanted to record this week, we weren't going to live stream, I was just going to play it, was I I tried so hard to to getting like a a two hour block of time with Tal Muscal, our CTO, which, which is really hard to get his time because he's always coding and working so i I wanted to get him on like a a two hour like two or three part episode like interview to get to kind of know him because just as i i've said you're building up your legendary status like he's always been a legend people just didn't know him as well like um he was in italy this past week and it it ended up falling through because um the internet connection there was just terrible uh there's no way that we're gonna get a, a zoom call going why don't you share one legendary Tal story that'll get people excited for uh, in the next week or two when I'm able to get this thing recorded and, and get it out to the public. You interact with them so much more than I do. I know so many legendary Tal stories that I don't know if I can publicly share them. <laughs> I mean, uh, the guy, so, the guy has the, been the uh, Nintendo one, the Wii, the drums. Uh, whoa, 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 <laughs> Don't go any farther. Um, the guy has been a, a legendary, uh, shall we say, has has worked in the space, has worked in the uh, computing space for a long time, and has always wanted to be the person that that does something if it hasn't been done before, like anything that hasn't been done is just a challenge to tell and it's something he tackles. <laughs> um, uh, but he's, he's actually a part of EOS, EOS owes him a debt himself. Uh, Tal worked at, at Bancor formerly. I think you guys know that. Mm-hmm. And uh, the RAM trading protocol on EOS is, is basically is the Bancor algorithm, uh, to my knowledge. Um, I'm not an expert on that. But so uh, EOS owes Tal a debt as well. But in other words, the, the block one EOS IO code does as well. And uh, I, we got this uh, this picture. We've, have we told this story before? We're I, at the San Fran Hackathon. Dude, I actually have this queued up. Like, I, I didn't have up. it before it the up, show, man. but as you were talking earlier, I <laughs> and pulled so, it up. And uh, so I'm, I'm at the EOS Hackathon. Screen. Zach, you're across. You're not in the shot, but there's Mark from Tippett there, and uh, Evan Schindler's in the foreground. And uh, I had five mentors over there asking about this particular problem, and Tal was the one who helped out. Um, we got the legendary Phil is over there Mez, and, Phil Mezier I mean, from Object Computing problems, legendary yeah. team and yeah, then in the, the top right corner is Nat another Liquid yeah. Apps developer and here we are months almost a year later and we're all, we're all together on the same team all the props cool. to Phil but it was Tal who was who was pointing out uh, what what was going on there and um, I don't know who even happened to take this shot. Did you take this picture? I didn't take it. I think uh, it was block uh, one, right? It was, was block one. Yeah, I don't know. We, we didn't stage it. Uh, but anyway, that's that's around the same time that Tal came up with the idea for VRAM. Mm-hmm. And we just dropped an article called A Journey of Cognitive Breakthroughs or something pretentious like that. Uh, well, it would be pretentious if it was me. Uh, or somebody else, but you know, it, it really is a journey of cognitive breakthroughs. Uh, it's Tal telling the story of how he came up with VRAM, and just it's a little technical, uh, but you you still check it out even if you're not technical because he he just goes through how it was all thought up really quickly. How can we build VRAM out, and then suddenly it became this whole layer of services. Fascinating read. That's the legend I'd point you to right there, and it's a legend that's in the making and a legend that is still growing, and I, we'll see where it leads. 
this event, this so this is in November at the San Francisco Hackathon. This is actually where we met Mark Woods. Yeah. Uh, it, it was awesome. Oh, like, is it? Yeah, it is. Yep. That's where we met him for the first time. I mean, I might have talked to him online, but on, on, yeah. I honestly don't remember yeah. if I, about that. But I remember meeting him in San Fran, and then we've been friends ever since. Mark, uh, were you hacking? Yes, I was. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What, what, what did your team build? Can we get off topic for a yes, th- minute? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. so it, it was a really interesting thing because I didn't have a team made up beforehand. So we were doing it all for an online, and we put together a team. I think I was on a team with a guy one guy from Russia, one guy from China. So it, it was this hodgepodge of people coming together, which is what actually made me love the hackathon even more is I got to meet all these people from all over the world with one common purpose. But basically at a high level, we were doing this something like a Udemy. So basically like what you all are doing with the classes, but a, a blockchain-based version of that where instead of employers um, basically paying people to go and I'll say recruit this tool can actually train them and then feed people directly into organizations. So it's, it's, it's they're kind of around the whole time where the whole big, big college bid debt thing was around. So just a way to think about how normal colleges today. I mean, what half of your classes basically don't really correlate to what you do in the real world. So how can we streamline that? And, and get the teachers potentially making more money. Um, so, so have the great the teachers be rewarded for creating great the content. So that's awesome. I, I don't think we sh- did. We shout out Mark stairs in this video or in this picture. I just, from, I just did. Yeah. That's Mark. Yeah, from from, man. I tell you, he, they ran with it when, yeah. uh, when those guys showed up uh, and joined our team, I don't even remember how we got together. Uh, I think you guys found him, right? You and Evan. Yeah, we were in the same boat, Mark. We, we, me, Evan Schindler, who, who's been on the show before, and Pete. We just went there. We didn't, we didn't have a full team, and we knew we needed probably a, a, at least one more dev, if not two. Uh, so, so we linked up with some randoms also, and it just happened to be two two guys from the Tippet team, and like they've been crushing it ever since. Like I never heard of Tippet before that, or, or of them necessarily, but like since then, like they're well, they've made moves in the EOS. I mean, you can see them. You can tip EOS, or you can tip. I think you could tip Morty's now. Yeah, uh, yeah. Maybe not. Yeah, you could tip Morty's now. Right in Telegram and, and maybe in, on Twitter too. Uh, it's just you can you could just send people tips of cryptocurrency. It's it's awesome. Well, oh, I've seen people doing the uh, tipping the uh, Yang coins for the Yang gang. Yep. Oh, yep. man. <laughs> uh, man, we've, we've been BSing, man. We got we got to get to the, the votes. Okay. So we, oh, we got right. the everything EOS voter proxy. We... We've only, hold on, let me get this up on the screen. So up until now, we've only had 23 of our votes selected. The first 20 were based on taking nine other proxies that we trust, and we aggregated them, and we saw who is voted for on the majority of all of these proxies. That's going to lock in our top 20 because, uh, honestly, the top 20, there's really not any contention. I'll, I'll, I'll pull up our uh, votes up on screen here that we currently have. And we're about to make three more right in front of you right now. So our three votes, I mean, I'm not going to read them out, but you can see the candidate votes on the screen. Uh, if you're listening, I'm sorry, you could watch this on YouTube. Uh, but it's it's all the top favorites. Uh, not really much contention. You're not going to find anyone that doesn't like Gray Mass, EOS 42, EOS Rio, New York. Uh, but, but the last 10 are always the hardest because there's more than 30 good block producers. 
So as a committee, as, as uh, everything EO's proxy voting committee, whatever we want to call ourselves, it, it's been very difficult to get through these last 10 picks, but, but we've, we've already made them kind of internally, and we're trying to kind of slow drip them out to give extra attention to every block producer who we picked because that, that's part of the benefit of us uh, supporting a block producer is we're gonna put that spotlight on your block producer and let everyone else know that even if they're not using our proxy, maybe they should vote for you. Uh, so I'm gonna let Pete kick this off because I'm gonna get my uh, blocks IO set up. I'm gonna see how hard this will be to run this vote live on the air here. Oh, you're gonna do it, Zach. I'm gonna, uh -oh. I'm gonna try, I'm probably gonna look like an idiot and not end up, we might have to do it after the show, but let, let's You know who you're gonna vote for. Right, I know, Zach, I know. you're not you're not running through block producers right now. Like, what, 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 what. no, no the, the hard part about doing this live, <laughs> we talked about this before we went on, is to do this live. Like when you vote for block producers, you can't just like add three block producers. You have to vote for all your previous block producers and then add the more uh, the, the three additional ones. But I think right, blocks, right. I think blocks auto populates it though. So why don't why don't you make your pick? I'll throw the graphic up on screen and then I'll be quiet for a minute. Great, yeah. My pick, uh, in consultation with the team, my pick is Token Pocket. Ooh. And uh, Token Pocket, you might be familiar with it. It's a wallet that I use on uh, iOS. And I th you know it's, they've got wallet solutions for other platforms too. And uh, recently, other wallets, uh, sadly, Meet One and Lynx, I think, have kind of gotten rid of their DApp store feature on Apple. There's some kind of restriction. Uh, right now, Token Pocket's App Store still survives. Uh, so I, I hope it's going to keep going, but I use it for Ethereum dApps, EOS dApps, and it supports IOST dApps, Boss dApps, supports uh, several chains right there. I think it's uh, six or seven chains so far, and they keep chugging along. They implement new things really quickly. They've got a responsive team. They've got a developer tools kind of catalog that they maintain, uh, which we're going to get liquid apps on because I didn't know about that until quite recently. Uh, they've got a, a dApp kind of... Uh, Adapt a store, not not a store. That's not the right word. Catalog where you can check out new DApps and uh, everything is, runs great on the iOS wallet. In my experience, uh, it's one that I recommend. And that's Token Pocket doing great things for the ecosystem, making it easier than ever to use DApps. I don't even have to use multiple wallets for my Ethereum DApps, which I do have Ethereum DApps, believe it or not, and uh, my EOS DApps. And even IOST dApps, right? Which I, I also dabble in a little bit, right? All these dApps, they're in one spot now, can have multiple accounts, can handle voting, can handle resources, uh, can claim rewards when appropriate, can all sorts of things in a Token Pocket wallet. My vote is for Token Pocket. All right, great choice. I, I think, I, I don't remember if they were unanimous or not. I, I don't really want to speak to that. Most of these votes, so out of our 30 votes we've picked, like we have all 30 selected, we're just kind of dripping them out. Almost all of them were unanimous. So I'd say I think 26 or 20, I, I think about 26 of the 30 votes were all unanimous, which means all five of us on the committee said yes to, the, to these uh, block producers. And then we had a couple that were, I think, tied for like three votes. And then that's how we had to determine our, our final three or four. But congratulations to Token Pocket. Uh, 500 plus thousand new votes. I'll make the votes as soon as we make the second and third pick. Mark, who is your pick? for the everything EOS proxy. I don't even want to call this a draft, but for the, the proxy. <laughs> All right, so my pick, we they got to meet the guys at the EE 31 May event is the EOS Nairobi. So right. I'm right. going the wrong way, but congrats to the guys from 
the EOS Nairobi. I mean, I think it goes without saying, you see the amount of community work that they do in personally, I feel like the area of the world that the blockchain is going to the impact the most, the quickest. And if that's the EOS Nairobi guys, I just want to leave it there. I mean, just go check them out. They hold meetups, training events, education. They are pushing it really hard. So hey, congrats. All right. I, I guess that means I'm up here. Well, I'm trying to get all these graphics up. So uh, a big part, uh, we've we got a lot of people reaching out of like what, what we're looking for in a block producer. Like what, what could a, there's so many good ones. Like what could a block producer do to get an edge on the votes? And honestly, the biggest thing a block producer could do is you have to obviously meet the minimum requirements. You have to have great infrastructure. Uh, pre preferably bare metal, but not a requirement. You have to have a great community of your own. You have to communicate well. Uh, you have to be building really cool stuff potentially, but that's not all we, we, we enjoy from you. Uh, but being part of our community is probably one of my top criteria I look into is being active in the Everything EOS Telegram channel, responding to our tweets, being in this live chat right now for the live streams and any future live stream. And one, one of the teams that, that came out strong uh, whenever we announced the proxy is EOS Amsterdam. So that's my pick is EOS Amsterdam, uh, main, mainly because of one, uh, Sebastian from um, WordProof. Uh, we've talked about WordProof so many times. He's part of their team, connected to their team. Uh, he's also in Amsterdam. He is super active in our community, always in touch with me, expanding EOS IO to a global uh, WordPress community in the millions, uh, EOS Amsterdam, th they put out a great article. So while I was setting up this proxy, I, I ran into all kinds of troubles trying to figure out how to, how to do these multi-sigs. And they just coincidentally on like July 15th, put out a great blog article that I used as an excellent reference on how to set up the multi-sig transactions. So that was so helpful to me. Um, they're working hard on Europe chain. And I know this is EOS mainnet block producers, but uh, they're leading the way on Europe chain, which is going to be a GDPR compliant chain. And that's especially interesting because they have GDPR experience. The WordProof guys, uh, they have a GDPR plugin on WordPress uh, that has million, or I, th I think a million uh, active users. So there's a million websites out there that are using a GDPR plugin built by this team. It's not ESIO related, uh, but they're very familiar with that. And later on in the show, when we get into the strategic vision, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more. Uh, and they have strong cybersecurity background, um, but just a great team. Uh, so that's my vote is EOS Amsterdam. So I actually already made the votes while you guys weren't looking. So now we are up to 20, what are we up to? 26 votes now. We got four more to go, I think. Uh, so we will continue this. If we don't get them out during the week next week, I think Rob and I will, will clear out whatever's not voted for. So next week we'll have our 30 BPs. And then we're going to start making the difficult decisions of who's in and who's out. And those are going to be really difficult decisions. But I think it's fair uh, that we're going to rotate block producers. I, I, we don't have a, an exact frequency set up, but we're constantly in communication with each other, the five of us in a proxy channel of ours. Uh, so there's going to constantly be ongoing discussion. If someone's not in our top 30 and they do something awesome, they're probably going to get voted for within a week. And we're going to talk about it on this show and put the spotlight on them on what exactly they did and, and why it's important. Just um, hey, real quick, Zach, I have to put Pete and the JP on the spot. We need your a single block producer videos like all of the rest of us did. We can all make fun of each other. 
Yeah, Pete. All right. Yeah, if, if you if you and JP oh, if you and JP get your individual votes out, then Rob and I will finish them off next Friday on the live stream or Saturday whenever we do it. Uh, but we got we got to get that done, man. We got to get these votes out. I, I I think there might be people who are holding off on voting for us. And please uh, proxy your votes to eProxy.info. But there might be some people holding off until we get all thirty votes, and that's respectable. So I'm gonna get to these these thirty, and and then hopefully we'll be able to pick it up. The goal we want to break a million. We got to double our votes. But but that's our, our, our short term goal here, and I hope hope we could do it by by being loud in the community, uh, talking about uh, governance issues. This episode is not going to cover governance because we're already going pretty long. I'm actually going to skip the bloomer topic here, guys, because I, I just want to want to get through this to the exciting part, and it, it's something I found through my digging, and it's block one uh, filing the voice trademarks. Um, so I gotta find the actual link here. But if you guys remember back in, I don't even remember when this was, like last December, maybe last November, we actually uh, we were the first to break the news of Block One filing trademarks for Mios and Eos X. And at the time, we believed that those were going to be the names of uh, the, the Block One decks and also the B1 wallet, which the B1 wallet ended up turning into just the Eos Authenticator app. Uh, but here they are up on the screen. And I regularly check this every couple weeks. And this is probably a big reason why this happened. But I noticed when I checked most recently, all of these trademarks were filed for the voice logos, voice.com, voice, and, and then the, the new EOS logo that they use also. And what I found was when you click into them, they weren't filed until... Uh, June 6th. And what I think the reason behind that was is because they didn't want spoilers coming out, spilling the beans on the name and the domain for, for voice. Sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, uh, you had them scared, Zach, all your... I, I would have found, found it. But unfortunately, it wasn't me that spilled the damn beans. It was Bloomberg. Remember that stuff? Bloomberg, yeah, the mm-hmm. night before B1 June, drops the name of voice. Um, but what I wanted to point out here, we, we've all been wondering, like, what's going on with voice? Are they waiting for 1.8? What are they waiting for? Well, I, I just want to throw out some new speculation. I think they're waiting on regulation. I'm personally, uh, how about, I'm personally not expecting voice, and I hope to be surprised until early 2020 at the earliest. Are you guys expecting it any sooner? Because I know there's people who, who think it might get deployed after 1.8, but I, I don't personally see that happening like right after necessarily. Okay, for me, I think it, it depends on what they do with the token allocation. If 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 they sort of turn that faucet off or have some way to get around that, I don't know. Uh, maybe sooner, but yeah, I'm thinking Q4 would be. I'd be surprised if it's Q4 2019, um, but probably 2020. I, I I do know, and I think we're going to touch on this in a, a little bit. So just to quickly that uh, they are hiring all sorts of their roles right now in the relation to a social media platform but we can pull that up in a minute um last thing i want to just point out is that the status the most recent status update here on voice as you can see up on your screen is july 16th and it says priority action mailed which i i didn't know what that meant i had to google it myself but what it means is i'll, I'll, I'll read it out loud here because I, I don't think i could put it up on the screen um hold on let me put the chat up uh what this means is um 
that if you receive this notice, the examining attorney has issued a refusal of the trademark, but they view the obstacles as minor. Because the issues are likely minor and could be addressed quickly, the office action is a priority action. You can respond within two months, and then the examiner will respond on an expedited basis. So what that means is that the trademark for voice is currently hung up right now uh, for its approval, and it seems like it's likely to get approved for the trademarks, but there's some small request that the trademark office had from Block 1. So Block 1 needs to respond to that and get the final approval. So I think this is another thing that I found that might be holding back a lot of the market. Well, I don't think they're going to market till they have a final product, but it's just one more thing that's potentially holding back the voice push is that they don't have their trademarks ready yet. They, they got to get that stuff set in stone so that no, no one could, could steal their IP. Uh, so I found that. I'll put the link in the descriptions so that you could uh, dive into this stuff deeper. There's a lot of nuggets in here that I'm not going to get into. If you read through like the goods and services on each of these trademarks, you can get a really good idea of what they're trying to do with voice because you can see all of the use cases and reasons that they want to protect against their name. Uh, so I'll, I'll put that link in the description. I'll actually put it in the live chat now since I'm able to do that. Uh, but after the show, I'll, I'll put it in the live notes. Yeah, but I think the most curious thing about the, the voice is going to be how they do the beta test. Is Will the beta be switched on and let's say you can't send the voice the tokens out of the app in some way to try to mitigate that the regulatory issues? That's what I'm really curious to see how they're going to handle. Mm -hmm. Isn't beta going to be on a testnet? Well, that's what we don't know. Um, because if it, it was, they could do it right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so that's the thing is like 1.8's been on all the testnets for a really long time. Mm -hmm. uh, one, one of the reasons the mainnet takes so long to get 1.8 is because I think it has to replay the whole chain, which takes some time too, but just like the planning going into it, there's a lot more to lose on, on the mainnet. But there would have been nothing holding them back from deploying on a jungle or a Kylan testnet, or as they've mentioned in their strategic vision, which we're about to get into, uh, they, they want to deploy their own testnets and stuff. Mm -hmm. This would be a, have, have been a good reason to do that, and it hasn't happened yet. So that's one of the reasons I don't believe 1.8 is the only thing holding them back. Because if it was, they could have deployed their own test net and let us play around with it or done it on Jungle or Kylan, and we haven't seen that. So uh, it, it's still a waiting game. Uh, Bloomer came out of hiding and finally communicated with the, the community. He made two tweets recently. Didn't really say much, so you can't really gather too much from it. But I, I think that's been one of the most frustrating parts is that there was all this activity leading up to B1 June. Uh, not, not all just hype either, because some of it was like them saying, don't expect too much. But then everyone just disappeared. Like there, there's nothing being talked about, and I, I've heard some pretty good reasons behind it. Like uh, the the way the government like kind of reacted to the Libra announcements and stuff, kind of might have made them hold back on like wanting to do too much too soon. Uh, but I, I don't know. I don't have any inside information on this. Uh, I'm waiting for it just like everyone else. But I am super excited. Uh, we saw some new uh, voting proposals come out recently. Tokenica came out with a pretty good mm -hmm. one, but it. Would, uh, in my opinion, be reliant on voice uh, to implement, but they they had a they had a workaround for that. But I'm not going to uh, get into that. Um, we've been going a little long. Let's let's get into the final topics here, uh, which is uh, the next one's the strategic vision. And who who wants to hit this one? To go for it, Zach. That you were Come talking on, about I, it earlier. I, I can't talk about it. So I just right, want, right. well, yeah, I'll you, say so. I mean, when 
that we were all talking earlier, I mean, I completely agree. Zach called out the point that the biggest thing that jumped out to me was just the token creation piece um, and how that may kind of they allow things like the voice, the token, and others uh, in the future to be more easily deployed to the mainnet or any chain that's they're running EOS. So um, that was the big one for me. And it, it, it seemed like it was interesting because a lot of the things in here sort of tie into uh, what we see people like Strongblock trying to mm-hmm. do. Yeah. So like the first, I'll, I'll, I have it up on the screen now, so I'll just walk through it. The first one, high performance consensus algorithms. Duh. Like everyone's working on that. Like that, that's not really a surprise. But what I thought was interesting was, was this piece on the tools for regulatory compliance they specifically called out GDPR and how, how like that, that I, I've heard this from multiple sources that this is a huge sticking point with regulation is GDPR and, and the right to be forgotten. So like right. with an immutable blockchain, how could you ever be forgotten on anything? So that, that's like a huge a piece of the puzzle that, that's trying to be solved right now is like once something's put on the blockchain, how do you uh, encrypt it or hide it or make it like remove? Like, how do you like, maybe decrypted then re-encrypted I, I don't know the different ways they're trying to solve this problem but as they pointed out it's a major issue uh security obviously with web N, that one's not a surprise but this was interesting to see their priority is the token creation i think mark kind of mentioned it a, a little bit ago but they want to make it super simple for anyone to create their own tokens and i i think that's going to be interesting because right now there's still a barrier of entry to creating your token. Even if you want your token to be completely worthless and just be like almost like a toy, like like almost like me sending you a sticker that's completely worthless. It's just like a keepsake or like an NFT. It's still really difficult to do. You still have to have some programming experience or know someone who does to get this deployed. There's no front end interface to, to make it happen. And I think that's something that they might be working on. I know there's other teams that are working on this too. So I, I think that is, is going to be awesome. The, the more you can lower the barrier of entry to, for creating a token, the more people are going to see the value of the token. And it, it's not tokens aren't just for speculating or, or mooning or going up in price or down in price. They don't always even have to have a utility. They could just be keeping a, a, a score of some sort. So I think the easier it will be to create tokens, the better it will be for the whole token economy. Uh, and it kind of goes in line once you see the EOS DAC episode uh, we recorded. They're, they're bringing down the ent- lower, lowering the barrier of entry for creating a DAC. They're building front end tools that's going to make it point and click to deploy your own DAC. And I, I think that's going to be huge because you could start a DAC for anything. You could start a DAC for your book club. But right now, there's just such a high barrier of entry that, that we're not seeing like experiments happening on DACs. And we're not seeing experiments happening on, on, on tokens. And the ones that we are seeing experiments on, uh, usually there's a lot of financial risk involved. So I'm excited to see uh, it become really easy to do for, for just like the lay person. Um, I, I think we got through our topics. Everything else is optional. I know someone in the live chat, I don't know if it's still up on the screen, they asked if, if Liquid Apps is hiring remote developers. Uh, we're always looking for the best talent. I, 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 Pete, do you know, are, we still, are we actively looking right now? Do you know? Um, remote developers, uh, reach out. Reach yeah, out, I guess, reach I guess out, to me if, if you're the best yeah. in the world at what you do, we want to talk to you. If you're a Nathan Rempel or a Peter K, we want you on our team. We're, we're putting together the Avengers. That's kind of been like the, the theme we've been pushing because like we are the Avengers. We are the best in the world at what we do. Uh, and and uh, like Peter and I are remote. 
uh, Nathaniel's remote. So we have remote employees. And then someone else asked if Block One's hiring. I think they're always hiring, and that's kind of something Mark wanted to hit on before we sign out. Uh, the one difference here is Block One, you have to work in office. So you have to be willing to move to Blacksburg, Hong Kong, Washington, D.C., or Los Angeles, but there's a crap load of jobs in, in all of those jurisdictions. Uh, you want to hit on that real quick, Mark, and then we'll take this home? Yeah, quickly, yeah. Um, and I sent you one link in the Telegram to pull up quickly. I forgot to drop yeah, one little nugget um, uh, around the Virginia Tech stuff. But yeah, so for, for any of y'all that are interested in the working at the Block One, um, obviously, so the first thing that was interesting was it uh, B1 has recently oh, okay. hired a new the, okay. the VP of a product. So I think Zach has it up on the screen here now. So Ted Cahal um, recently started, it looks like about two months ago. So it seems like he's he's going to be the left hand and the right hand with uh, Greg Lee. So it seems like those two are going to be the top of the whole engineering kind of program office that feed up into Dan, obviously. So that was an interesting hire to see. But then if you hop over to the B1 the website, um, kind of as I called out before, if you have any background in the social media, um, the content moderation, um, any type of skills like that, B1 is hiring all the sorts of roles um, related to uh, the B1, um, excuse me, the um, future the social media. And obviously, um, they're recently, so you don't have to go to the Blacksburg. They are uh, starting to spin up their the, uh, satellite office in the uh, northern Virginia area, which is just outside the Washington. So if you're more prone to a bigger the city, they have the roles there as well. So I would say, I mean, they are hiring, hiring, hiring. If you have any questions of how to best get in touch with people there, please feel free to reach out. I'm happy to help. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you read between the lines on a lot of these positions, you kind of can see where they're going, like content moderators, yep. uh, a lot of SEO content specialists, like they're ramping up their marketing, they're ramping up their legal always, uh, their communications, they, they're, they're having community relations advocates in like every market, head of communications, talent acquisition in multiple markets. So, I mean, they're, they're doing, st I, I wish we heard more from them, but they are doing stuff from what I understand and, and from, from what Mark's been telling me from other like private conversations he's been having. Uh, there, there's a lot of stuff happening, but we don't have to rely on block one to make EOS great. Like we're doing a ton of stuff at liquid apps. There's a ton of other teams, teams like Shintai that are just making things better. So we, we don't need to be reliant on block one for everything, but obviously we want all their stuff that they promised. We want EOS IO 2.0 which I, I forgot to mention earlier, I think, so now that part four of four of the strategic vision has been released and 1.8 is about to be deployed, the next thing coming, everyone, is EOS IO 2. So I don't know when it's going to be, but I would expect it to be announced within like the next month or two or three. It's going, like, they've always released the next update of release candidates, release candidates of EOS IO code every couple months for the last two years. And they're, they're most likely going to stick to that pattern. And the next thing after 1.8 is 2.0. So I, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, what, what they have in store for that. I want to see more from EOS VM. I want to see the web auth end stuff take off. Uh, but there's a lot to be excited about. Uh, is there anything that the two of you want us to cover before we sign off here? Pete, go ahead. Good to go. It's All been right, fun, guys. guys. You guys remember how we sign off here on everything EOS? <laughs> Let's see if we can hit it. All right, I'm going to go first, and then you guys, who, 
I'll do it. All right. So, guys, in, until next week sometime, you'll see me talking to EO's Dak, and then you'll see me again at the end of next week with Rob. I'm signing off. I'm Zach Gall. I'm Mark Woods. I'm Peter Kay. And this, this is everything, is everything, everything EOS. EOS. One. Go, Go EOS. EOS. <laughs> uh, Smash the thumbs up, everyone. Share the video. Uh, we'll see you all next week.